You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Here at Cross and Crown, we believe that the Bible is God's word to us. And when we read the Bible, we are hearing God speak. Today's Bible reading is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, starting from verse 24. So I'll be reading from the CSB version, so please follow along in your own Bibles, and the passage will also be displayed on the screen. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries, and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances." You will live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will save you from all uncleanness. On the way in here, all of you would have walked through uh, the Novotel foyer just outside. And I, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're standing in the Novotel foyer, and, and as you're standing there, you notice out of the corner of your eye a man walks in. He's drenched from head to toe. It's not raining outside, so you wonder why. He's covered in mud and filth. You you look up, you see him. His clothes are torn and tattered. His hair's unkempt and matted with dirt. And you notice that as he walks in, you start to wrinkle your nose because you realize that as he walks, he, he leaves a trail of excrement behind him. The hotel concierge approaches him. And I wonder what do you think he says to this man? Sir, I'm sorry. If you want to enter our establishment, you'll you'll need to clean yourself up. Unless you're clean, you cannot come in. And you see, whether it's the hotel or even our own homes, many of us see this connection between being clean and being welcome, don't we? If you come to my place, you're more than welcome. Can I say, please take your shoes off before you come in? If you're not clean, you're not welcome. If you take your shoes off, you are more than welcome to come to my place for a meal. In fact, all of us, we all felt something of this during COVID, didn't we? We, we, thought, we thought to ourselves, well, if you're not vaccinated, if you're infected with the virus, you're unclean, we were required to keep you out of our home. You legally were not allowed in. Whatever you think about that, let's face it, it separated and broke apart so many relationships, didn't it? It separated families, friends and loved ones as the unclean were kept out of our state, out of our city, Out of our five-kilometer bubble, out of our homes, we saw entire families split apart, people incapable of crossing a border to go farewell their dying father. The reality was we all got it, didn't we? In some way it was seen that if we weren't clean, we weren't welcomed. 
And if we weren't welcomed, we were separated. Friends, that issue of cleanness, how clean are you, is actually what we find at the heart of today's passage that Samuel just read for us. But that issue of cleanness actually sits at the heart of what it means to be baptized. You see, in the 6th century BC, the prophet Ezekiel, who spoke those words that Samuel read, he writes to the people of Judah and he says, all of us are unclean, unholy, and separated from God. We cannot come in. Just look at verses 16 to 23, and I want you to notice how Ezekiel describes Judah's conduct and actions. In verses 17 and 18, their actions defile the land. Think about that language. They defile it. They make it impure and unclean. And hold on to your seats, because in verse 17, the Lord says, their behavior before me was like menstrual impurity. Kind of sh- I can see your face, Roy, right? All of us can see that. We feel that kind of, ugh. And it's meant to make us feel some sort of visceral reaction at something unhygienic. You see, Ezekiel's pointing back to Leviticus 15. And in Leviticus 15, Moses writes about laws about the bodily discharges of both men and women. And, he's, and, and the law says that, look, whether you're a man or a woman, it's equal and it's the same. Our bodily discharges make us unclean. And we kind of get this, don't we? We use the language of sanitary pads. We, we recognize that, that however natural things might be when they happen, we need to clean ourselves up. Leviticus says exactly the same thing. You see, after a bodily discharge back in the Old Testament, a man or a woman would have to go through seven days of cleansing. And then on the eighth day, they would have to offer a sacrifice. You see, here's the picture. Our uncleanness separates us from God. He won't let us enter his house just as we wouldn't let a COVID patient enter ours. Leviticus and Ezekiel aren't saying that sexuality or bodily discharges that are natural somehow make us unclean before God. No, they're just a picture, not the reality. They are a visible and a visceral symbol that what makes us unclean aren't just the things on the outside, They're the things on the inside. They're the things not that infect us from the outside. They're the things that come out from us. What makes us unclean is our unclean hearts. And Jesus said much the same thing in Mark 7. What comes out of the person is what defiles him. For for from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, Thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Notice Jesus says, all these evil things come not from the outside, not from you to me, not from someone else necessarily sinning against me alone. No, they come from within a person and they defile a person. It's the things in our own hearts that come out from our own desires that make us unclean. Friends, do you hear what Leviticus, Ezekiel, and Jesus are all telling us with one voice? All of us, Christian or not, our hearts are like sewage pipes that spew out sin 
self-interest, selfishness, sexual immorality, all the things that make us feel dirty and all the things that make us dirty. We're stained by sin, not because of the filthy swamp out there, but because of the sewage pipe in here. And all that dirt and muck means that God won't let Judah into his house. In fact, just like the concierge, he asked to ask Judah to leave. Verse 18. So I poured out my wrath on them because of the blood they'd shed on the land and because they'd defiled it, there it is, made it unclean with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations. They were scattered among the countries. Friends, notice, how does God judge his people? He exiles us from his land. He kicks us out of his house. He separates us from a relationship with him. Because God is so holy. He's so clean. He's so pure. You see, for us to enter his house house would be like to stain a pure white sheet with blood and filth. Friends, here's our problem. We are so unclean. And we are so unwelcomed. I think we all understand it, don't we? It's a problem that all of us face, every human being without exception, everyone in this room. Our hearts are a sewage pipe of sin that spew forth the dirty and disgusting thoughts and feelings. We will never admit it to anyone else. We would shudder to admit it to anyone or verbalize it, but think about it. The lust to use another person for our own satisfaction. The anger that just wants to hurt or harm someone else. The greed for more and more that can just never be satisfied. You see, friends, we will never say it, will we? It's far too shameful to admit it, but we know it's in our hearts. Those feelings that just arise and crop up, and we're shocked at ourselves when they arise within us. We wonder how they could be there. All these thoughts and feelings make us unclean. So we cannot enter God's house. We can't be in a relationship with a God as holy as he. And here's the reality that the Bible tells us. Until we clean up, until we turn off that sewage pipe, we will never be clean enough to come to our God. And when you think about it, we all feel this deep in our hearts, don't we? Just think about how our sins make us feel. Or how do we feel when we're trapped in that, in that toxic sexual relationship that just keeps leaving us feeling used and abused? The sin that we just keep on returning to over and over again. In our heart of hearts, we feel dirty, unclean, and ashamed. And that filth, it makes us hide away from others, doesn't it? where we can't show our face before others. It separates us from each other, but more than anything else, it separates us from God. And sometimes in that moment, all you ever want to do is to take a shower and just wish that all the filth would just wash away. And friends, can I tell you, that's exactly what God promises to do. That's exactly what God promises to do. In verses 24 to 29, I want you to notice five things that God promises to do for us. Five things that God promises to do for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And can I tell you, it is going to be an amazing, beautiful reality. Firstly, in verse 24, he promises, I will bring you home. Isn't that beautiful? 
For a people exiled and kicked out of their home for being unclean and stained by sin, God says, hey, I'll bring you back. I'll bring you in. I'll be that concierge that says, it doesn't matter how unclean you are, I'll bring you upstairs and give you a room to yourself. But how will he do that? If we're so stained by sin, how will a holy God bring us home? Secondly, he promises, I will wash you clean. Verse 25, I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. Isn't that amazing? Just notice what God doesn't say. God doesn't say in verse 25, you have to sprinkle clean water on yourselves. You have to clean yourself up before you come to me. No, he doesn't say that. No, God promises to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He promises to wash away our filth, to forgive every sinful thought, to wipe away every evil deed, to wash away every wicked desire. Friends, can I tell you, whatever you think you have done that would stain your record, God will wipe it all away. It's like that moment that you come back from a week-long hike, covered in mud that pretty much has caked over your body. And then the best part about coming home, if you were at Weekend Away last year, the best part of Weekend Away, yes, is being together, the joys of being, but it's going home. And it's having a shower in your own, and you just stand there. And you just think, it's all washing away. It's the best part, isn't it? Just imagine coming back from that week-long hike. You look down in the shower. You see all that grime and dirt washing off your body. And then, no, there is one thing better. You dry yourself. And then you crawl into your bed with those crisp new sheets. And you just feel so clean. Friends, can I tell you that is exactly what God promises to do for us? to forgive our every sin, to wash away our every stain of shame, to give us the freshest start you could ever imagine. In verse 26, God thirdly promises, I'll give you a new heart. Now, can I tell you, if, God, if all God did was to wash us clean, it would only solve half our problem. Because as soon as we're clean, we just get dirty all over again. It's that moment that you come before God, pleading with him to forgive your sins. You know he forgives you. And the next day what happens? You wake up in the morning and the first thought that enters your head is the sin that you repented of just seven hours ago. And you just think, gosh, my sinful heart. You see, the reality is even if God did wash us clean, if he stopped there, we'd just keep on sinning. We'd just keep on staining the sheet. We'd be like a kid whose parents clean her only for her to run straight back out and play in the mud. Except for us, it's not the mud on the outside that stains us. It's that sewage pipe of our hearts that needs to be turned off. And look at what God says. Verse 26, God promises, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Can you hear what God is saying? I'll turn off the tap. In fact, I'll do something even better. I'll change the tap altogether. 
I'll give you a new heart that won't spew out sin and evil. I'll give you a heart that isn't as dead as stone. I'll give you a heart that is alive as flesh. I'll give you a heart that beats as it ought to beat, that desires as it ought to desire, that loves as it ought to love. A heart that will wake up each morning and go, yes, I long for the things of God. And 600 years after God made that promise through Ezekiel, Who comes onto the map but Jesus? And look at what happens in John chapter 4. Jesus gives water to a woman whose life is stained by sin. He meets a woman who would have felt so unclean, so ashamed, and look at what he tells her. As he gives her water, whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well. Notice, a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Can you hear what Jesus is saying? The promise that he made through Ezekiel is the promise that he fulfills and keeps in Jesus. Jesus comes to give us a new heart that doesn't spew out sin, but springs forth eternal life. God doesn't just promise to wash us clean. He promises to change our hearts. He promises to replace that sewage pipe of sin with a spring of living water. In one sense, you'll never need to be washed again. Isn't that amazing? But you might wonder, how in the world could God do something as amazing as that? How in the world could he take the sewage pipe of sin that's my heart, turn off the tap, remove it, and put in something new that's a spring of living water? Fourthly, he promises, I'll do it by placing my spirit within you. Look at verse 27, I'll place my spirit within you, and here's the two most important words, I will cause you to follow my statutes and carefully obey my ordinances. You see, God's promising to wash us clean by his spirit. What's the water that cleans us? As as two of you get baptized and that water goes over you, what's that a picture of? It's a picture of the Holy Spirit washing you clean, transforming you from the inside out, doing for you what you cannot do for yourselves. The Holy Spirit will cause you to be clean by giving us that new heart with new affections and new desires, a heart that wakes up and longs to do what is right. In John 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Or unless someone has a new life, he cannot come into God's house. And Nicodemus asked the most obvious question. How? How can I be born again? And look at what Jesus says in verse 5. Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And this is one of those moments where you read your Bible and you read John 4 and you go, oh my gosh. I know exactly what Jesus is referring to. In his mind, Jesus is talking about Ezekiel 36. You see, he's saying, how can I be born again? How can I see the kingdom? How can I come into God's house? 
How can I enter the Novotel and go upstairs? By being washed by the Spirit. By being cleansed by God. And finally, when you are, he finally promises these five beautiful words. I will be your God. I will be your God. Because that's the whole point. See, if you're not a Christian, you might wonder uh, why Tiff is getting confirmed or why Phil and the young D are getting baptised. And you might think, is just, this just some ritualistic thing? Is this just some public thing to say that they're a Christian? It's so much more than that. It's about them saying, God is my God and I belong to him. He belongs to me and he is mine and I am his. Can you see what God promises to do? He promises to bring us home, to wash us clean, to give us a new heart to place his spirit within us and to be your God forever. In verse 29, he says, I will save you from all your uncleanness. And mate, saving is what we need, isn't it? Because as long as we're unclean, we'll never be able to come into God's house. As long as we're unclean, we'll forever be separated from him. That's why Jesus came. He came to be stained by our sin, to take on our filth, to be separated from God in our place. He came to wash us clean by his blood through his death on a cross in our place so that you and I can be cleansed from all our our uncleanness. Can I tell you, friends, there is a fountain filled with blood flowing from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty states. It is the greatest news you will ever hear that we were unclean and unholy, but in Jesus we are washed and welcomed. Friends, baptism is a picture of that washing. It is a picture of God's promise through Ezekiel. It is a picture of God's promise kept in Jesus. It is a picture of his promise and it is a picture of of purity. You see, baptism isn't primarily a symbol of my personal faith. It's a symbol of God's promised faithfulness. It's an outward symbol that God has kept that promise through Ezekiel in the death of Jesus. And today, Liangdi, Philip, and Tiffany are choosing to be baptized and confirmed. And in that act, this is what they're showing the world. They're saying, we have been washed. What is true of Ezekiel's promise has been fulfilled by Jesus in us. In their baptism and confirmation, they're saying, I've been brought home. I've been washed clean. I've been given a new heart. I've had God's spirit placed inside me and I have God as mine forever. And in a moment, when I pour water over their heads, as was the practice in the Old Testament, it's a sign on the outside of what's happened to them on the inside. It's a picture that God has washed all their sins away. Bang D. Philip. Tiffany. In your baptism and confirmation, you are telling the world that your hearts aren't a sewage pipe of sin anymore. 
they're a spring of living water. You don't have to be stained by sin again. You don't have to live with any shame or fear. You don't have to hide away in embarrassment because you've been transformed. You've been washed. And now you've got a heart that that can pursue what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable. You don't have to be a hostage of sin anymore. It is possible to live a life that honors the Lord, a clean life, a beautiful life, a washed life, a welcome life. So live that new life. Live that cleaned up life. Let your heart pour out God's Holy Spirit to the world around you. But you know what? In their baptism and confirmation, they're not just saying, hey, we've been washed. They're telling everyone else in this room and the world, you can be washed as well. You see, if you're not a Christian, you might feel like your life is stained by sin and shame. You might feel like there are things that you just cannot kick, things that you just can't, relationships you just cannot escape from, past acts and misdeeds that just weigh you down and stain your soul. And you might feel so unclean and embarrassed, like there's no way that God would ever accept you given all the filth in your life. Please know this. God can make you clean on the inside. He can wash away all your dirt and all your filth. He can turn off the tap on the sewage pipe of your heart. Oh, he'll do you one more than that. He can replace it and make it into a spring of living and clean water. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're standing outside the front door, that revolving door of the Novotel, and now it's you. The door opens and you walk in. And you look at yourself. Drenched, muddied, dirty. Concierge approaches you. And you look down at your own feet because you're so embarrassed as everyone in the lobby just looks at you. And you stand there in that pristine hotel lobby dripping with a mix of dirt and rain. And all you want to do is hide away. Concierge comes up to you and you're so afraid as to what he might say. There's no room for you at this hotel. You need to clean yourself up. Look at you. Why would I ever let you in? He doesn't say that. He invites you upstairs. He offers you a shower. He gives you a towel. He gives you new clothes, a fresh cut, a sick fade. And he looks at you and says, perfect. Washed clean. Welcome home. Let me pray. God, we, we feel so stained by our sin, so burdened by the lives that we have lived, so impure, God, from all the things that we've done, those things in our life and our past that we just cannot shake, that we cannot forget, that we wish never happened but have, and we just can't wipe our souls clean. And we know that if someone told us, Adam, you need to clean yourself up, I just wouldn't be able to do it. 
But that's why you sent your son, Jesus, to make us clean on the inside, to do for us that we cannot do for ourselves. So for Liang Di, for Philip, for Tiffany, as they celebrate this day, the fulfillment of that promise to clean up their hearts, we pray for all of us here, God, that we might enjoy our new life in Jesus, that we might remember the time that we were washed clean and live that new life. And for any of us here who wouldn't yet follow Jesus or call ourselves a Christian, we ask this day that you might clean up our hearts, that you might wash us clean on the inside, and that you might give us clean hands so that we might approach the God of glory and hear those words, perfect, cleaned up, Welcome home. Amen.